0: Yesterday, we talked about our spiritual Alzheimer's. How we wake up each morning needing to be reminded of the message of the cross. Like the little girl in the film, The Help, we need to be told over and over and over again, fresh with each new morning, that there is no condemnation in Christ. We are loved. There is no condemnation in Christ. We are loved. There is no condemnation in Christ. We are loved. We are loved by God unconditionally and eternally. And that is all that matters. That is the main thing that we need to keep. The main thing. That is the wonderful message of the gospel that Thomas Cranmer put at the very heart of his service for Holy Communion in his comfortable words. But before we discuss today the comfortable words in our prayer book, we need to understand the difference between unconditional affirmation and unconditional love. We so often confuse the two unconditional affirmation is what your dog gives you not your cat but your dog you may have heard that wonderful country song I want you to love me like my dog does baby if not let me refresh your memory he never tells me he's sick of this house He never says, why don't you get off that couch? He doesn't cost me nothing when he wants to go out. I want you to love me like my dog does. He never acts like he don't care for my friends. He never asks, where have you been? When I come home, I just want you to go crazy. He never looks at me like he might hate me. Honey, I just want you to love me like my dog does, baby. As the song makes clear, unconditional affirmation never challenges your right to be the center of your own universe. Love, however, is different. By its very nature, love seeks relationship. And relationships, by their very nature, challenge self-centeredness. In order to have any kind of relationship with another person, you have to give up some measure of autonomy. You have to think about the other person's needs at least a little. You have to give at least a bit of yourself away to that other person if you're going to have a relationship. And if that's just the kind of love generic love is, what must perfect, unconditional love seek? Why, it must seek to draw out of the beloved a reciprocal love that is as selflessly self-giving as the unconditional love that has been received. When we say that God loves us unconditionally, that means he is releasing in our hearts a power to woo us from our heart ever prone to wander. A power to woo us from our wayward self-centeredness. A power to woo us towards wholeness. A power to woo us to be as loving and therefore lovely as he himself is. For the English reformers to encounter the unconditional divine love of God was to discover something deep within being touched an unquenchable, often unexpected longing for a relationship with one's maker being stirred up, a transforming, grateful human love for God being gently drawn out, a fervent drive to express this love in all outward actions that rises up and changes the direction of our life Our hopes, our investments, where our heart is, there is our treasure. Divine gracious love inspires a grateful human love that changes us from the inside out. Not perfectly. Not as much as we long for but enough so that we can have a genuine relationship with God and a better relationship with others. Fear of punishment cannot produce that kind of inward, all-encompassing transformation of a sinner. Shame, fear, guilt, and duty don't have the power to move the human heart. Listen to Thomas Beacon, Thomas Cranmer's chaplain, explain what happened to him when he encountered the unconditional love of God made known in the cross of Christ. As I can honestly report unto you the effect of my heart, truly since you declared unto us the goodness of God the Father through us in Jesus Christ, I have felt in my heart such an earnest faith and burning love toward God and his word that me thinks that a thousand fires could not pluck me away from the love of him. And of course in this time the fires are not metaphorical, as Cramner himself found out. I begin now utterly to despise, condemn, reject, cast away, and set at naught all pleasures of this world where before I so greatly rejoiced in times past. All the threats of God, all the displeasures of God, all the fires and pains of hell could never before this day so allure me to the love of God as I have now known in his love for me in the cross Christ. For Thomas Cranmer and the English reformers, unconditional divine love was a supernatural power at work in us to make us fall in love with God and discover our true humanity towards him and one another. And he summarizes this message of good news in his comfortable words. Will you please turn to me in your prayer book to page 332. Let me assure you we're not going to go through all four today. Please say with me the introduction and the first two verses. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hear what comfortable words our Savior Christ says to all who truly turn to him. That was an important point in the eve of the Reformation. You walk into any medieval parish church and above the chancel arch, guess what's there? Jesus as judge, with a hawk eye looking to see any infraction you have made. Because if you do not settle your debts, work off your punishments in this life... You would be grabbed by the demons to work it off in the next. Eamon Duffy, who is the greatest exponent of the joy of the medieval English church, says, Well, that medieval piety could be oppressive at times. Indeed, the medieval church routinely relied on terror of coming, coming torments to encourage moral obedience. Let me read to you one brief portion from Bridget of Sweden and her vision of what she saw reserved in purgatory for those guilty of lying pride. You would have been encouraged as lay people to read and meditate on this to encourage you to be better people. Then I thought there was a band bound about his head so fast and sore that the forehead and the back head came together. The eyes were hanging on the cheeks. The ears, they had been burned with fire. The brains burst out at the nostrils and his ears. The tongue hanging out and the teeth slammed together. The bones in his arms were broken and withered as a rope. The game of thrones has nothing (laughs) on medieval cruelty and torture except this was God's fate for us in purgatory those of us who were going to be saved but only after we had suffered significant ongoing torment and I just stopped at the stomach it gets worse as you go down According to Eamon Duffy, the whole machinery of late medieval piety was designed to shield your soul from Christ's doom day anger. God is mad at you. Get your act together. That's what you would see every time you came into your But we've seen that the reformers think that that whole method of fear and shame to get people to change is doomed, so to speak, to failure. Fear, shame, guilt, and duty don't inspire love, and only loving God more than sin, only that gives you the power to begin to change, and only... We can only love fully and unreservedly if we have first received that kind of love from God. According to Thomas Cranmer, grace produces gratitude. Gratitude engenders love. Love births repentance. Repentance leads to good works. Good works makes for a better society. Therefore, Cranmer thought that what the English people needed to know more than anything else, Christ was the Good Shepherd. Christ was coming now not as our judge, but as our loving Savior. So then what does he choose? What comfortable words does he choose as the first verse to proclaim the gospel? Let's look at that again. Come unto me, all ye that travel and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Is there any mention of God's wrath? Any mention of sin? Terror of punishment? Fear? Is that where we as Anglicans begin preaching the good news? Where do we begin? With human longing, human heartache, human struggle, we welcome people in their snares and say, you are loved. The misery of mankind, according to Cranmer, sums up sin's effect on human nature. We are sheep that run astray, but we cannot of our own power come again to the sheepfold. So great is our imperfection and weakness. The reformers have put their finger on the human condition. He uses the word travail. Notice that. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy, that travail and are heavy laden. The normal translation for his time was labor. But when you think of travail, it's not just physical weariness, is it? Travail means emotional, deep seated anxiety. It's the same anxiety that he puts into words for us in our confession. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all men, judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness. The remembrance of them is grieving unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. Cramner knows. That we need to be told that it's okay to come to God as we are, broken and fallible people. We don't have to pretend that we're good enough to come into his presence. That we're snared by our frailties and we need his touch. And therefore he begins Anglican worship morning and evening with that famous collect. We can be transparent and honest before God and not fear his wrath, but look for his redemption. And that's what the next verse is about. Let's read it together. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We've heard about human longing for release from our anxieties. Do we now talk about sin, judgment, fear, punishment? Is that what he says in verse 2? What's he talk about? Human longing is paired with divine longing. Any parents here? Ever been frustrated with your children? Ever been mad at your children? Has that ever changed your deep love for your children? Nothing makes a parent feel as unprepared for life as seeing their child hurting and not knowing what they should do to help, right? Because that's the longing of the human heart, to meet the needs of those we love, to dry their tears, and to strengthen them, and to give them joy. If our human hearts, as riddled with issues as we have, knows that that's the nature of love for children, then is it not surprising when we forget that that's God's ultimate desire for us? And that's what Kramner Prayers pairs human longing with divine longing to rescue and redeemed. Here is the truly revolutionary nature of the gospel found in scripture. The red thread that runs throughout Cramner's writings. The l- glory of God is to love the unworthy. And to love us as we are broken and fallible until his love shines through us. Salvation comes from Christ's performance on the cross, not our performance for Christ by our good works. We are adopted forever. We are not foster children. What's the difference between adopted child and a foster child? If the foster child acts up, you send them back to social services, right? But if they're adopted... They're yours. We're not on approval with God. While we were his enemies, he died to engraft us in his family forever. What do we need to hear every day? New each morning? And Christ, God's love, will never let us go? He loves each of us so fully and freshly each day that one day we will be as lovely as Christ himself, loving God as fully and freshly each day as he loves us. Think about this. We will be eternal splendors, shining more brightly than the Milky Way, radiated by and radiating to others the perfect self-giving love of God made known in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God, with Cramner's prayer book we hear every day, you are loved, you are redeemed, you are an eternal splendor. Amen.